Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we're your hosts. And today we are thrilled to have Lena Dune here from Ask a Sub to talk all about being a sub. Everything you need to know. Um, It was amazing. I absolutely loved talking to her. It was so much fun. It is. It's a really fun interview. And I, I think it's a it's a it's an interesting perspective that I don't think we've had on a ton. Um, you know, obviously, we've delved into the kink space a little bit. But to have someone that's so well versed and has been through a lot of it, um, I think is a, it's a made for a really great interview. Yeah, like we've talked about being a dom, I think it to quite an extent, but uh, what it what it involves to be a sub and 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 her experience with it and then this community that she's created to have other subs have not only place for information and resources but also a community to talk about what they're into and like what communication looks like to them and and you know what checking in for their dom looks like and, and what they like and stuff you know is is so different uh across all people <laughs> for for all different you know sexual encounters each individual is going to bring something new and so um I thoroughly enjoyed it and my and one of the biggest takeaways I had was she talked a lot about um the communication aspect of of negotiating roles within a relationship and that you know when we think of a 24-7 dom there. Uh, you know, I, I think for some people who are outside of the kink community, it sounds more foreign and it sounds um, more taboo. But then if we think back to the 50s when, you know, women were expected largely to be housewives and, you know, the men were the ones that were, were the providers and making money, like that is a dom-sub relationship. There was just no communication specificity around it, um, delineating what the rules were. Uh, it was kind of just an assumed thing. And maybe there was a little bit of communication, but like this kind of dynamic requires that kind of very clear um, understanding of, of, of what is expected by, by all people. Yeah, and it's one of those things, I think we were talking a little bit about how like, the more that we dive into and the more we learn about the kink community, there is so much uh, healthy communication that happens, I think, in like a healthy kink relationship, you know, yeah. and something that I think a lot of people could uh, benefit from. Um, I think maybe it's in part because for a large part of our lives, um, we tend to be told that to, to not talk about sex and to kind of keep it behind closed doors. And so then you don't learn how to talk about it, but in a situation um, or in a, in a community where that's your interest is to do something that um, requires a lot of communication, you kind of force that to happen. And, uh, and I think there's a, you know, a lot of really healthy stuff that comes out of just being like, oh, this is what I like and this is uh, maybe what I don't like. And this means uh, let's keep doing it. And this means uh, maybe let's, let's slow down a little bit. Um, and I think that's a, something that everyone would benefit from trying to bring into their life, whether you are interested in being a sub or dom or uh, neither of those things and you just want to have like a healthy fun sex life yeah yeah I think it's really cool I mean you know a big aim of this podcast is to smash those those boundaries and those those closed doors and really get stuff in the open because 
largely like nationally we we don't talk about this stuff I, I I think in pockets and certainly on the coast it's more progressive but I you know after doing so many interviews like we're definitely slowly moving in that direction yeah, true. and um I and and so Lena is doing that in in even a bigger way with her Instagram ask a sub um her Patreon and her Discord so um without further ado you guys are gonna absolutely love her enjoy Yay! Welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited. Today we have Lena Dune here who is a bisexual submissive in a 24-7 DS relationship and a proponent of sane and healing BDSM. She goes by Ask a Sub on Instagram where she makes kink-centered memes, gives DS relationship advice, and serves as fairy sub-mother to her 60,000 followers. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. It's, uh, you know, it's yummy, if you will. <laughs> It's so yummy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I just want to start by saying I found you through the Savage Love cast. And oh, fun. I, yeah, and I love that episode. And I just like, I, I'm so drawn to your content. I love the community that you're creating and just the openness and, and the dialogue that you're having for people to ask so many different kinds of questions. And if they're interested, like just have resources available in one space. I think it's just really cool. Mm -hmm. It's It's been incredible what has cropped up around it because like when you start out, hey, I'm going to go onto the internet and I'm going to talk to other submissives, like you mm -hmm. living my life, I, I knew like maybe one or two people and then there was a the local scene, but like it felt to me like I was very much on the fringe and then finding this community grow up around it, it's like, oh, wait, everybody feels like they're on the fringe and now we can yeah. all come together and not be on the fringe and it's 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 adorable it's so cool yeah there's liberation in um if off mic we were talking about like this is you know if, as far as recording is like the only closet you're willing to be in and there's yeah. something like so amazing about just like shouting from the rooftops of like this is who I am this is what I'm into and letting other people be like oh Oh yeah, that's me too. <laughs> like yeah, I, totally. there's a space for me. Um well, amazing. So I'd love to dive in with like how did you discover that this was something that you were into and kind of like a the highlights of your journey to get to where you are now and creating this amazing community that we we've just highlighted. Yeah. Um so for me the whole um submissive label did not come naturally because I um Definitely as like a millennial, I came of age in an era of feminism that was like, in order to be empowered, you must be in charge and like tough mm -hmm. and like calling the shots and like girl boss, which is now, you know, received like just critique. Um, but at the time, like I thought, okay, like if I'm going to be a submissive to, you know, sometimes male partners, sometimes female partners, but like if, it, especially with the male partners, if that's going to happen, then I am like transgressing against this sort of received notion of feminism that I had gotten. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it, it had this really intense taboo quality. And it, I think that's what a lot of people's kink is. And like taboo is great. Like if you can explore that sort of shamey feeling and like get through it and find something interesting on the other side, like that's wonderful. But I also think that on the other side of that coin, there are a lot of people who who feel like they want something and they can't possibly practice it. So then they shy away from the community and the resources that would help them practice it well. So like, I was that person initially, like I was just sort of like, 
grasping at random elements of BDSM that I had sort of like osmosed from culture and pornography. And I was just like, hey, like to just random partners, like, hey, do you want to hit me? Hey, do you want to this? And like that okay. thing yeah. was like, it left me feeling very often like kind of dirty and bad and and icky and sad and I could not place my finger on why until I started playing with um, people who actually understood the structure behind BDSM of, of negotiation and active consent and aftercare that provides sort of a safe container to experimenting with those things and mm-hmm. provides a different context for your brain. So like, yeah, it definitely like initially for me was this concept of like, I'm a bad girl and I do bad things and I'm edgy. And then and then it turned into like, oh, actually, no, I can just sort of express myself without all of this sort of narrative about what it means about who I am at my core, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, I think I've definitely come up against similar ideas of not necessarily in terms of like feminism and how how it would make me not a feminist, but that, yeah, there's this idea of like being this strong person. And if I identify with this label, like somehow that penetrates like every aspect of my life. Yeah. 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 Um, Or it like makes you a hypocrite even like it's like, well, you can't like these two things. Yeah. And so how did you so once you got into more of the community, then what was what was the journey after that? Um, Like, did you ever explore being in the dominant side of it, too, and find that the submissive side was more to your liking or? um, Yeah, I'm curious about about that. Trying both. I had a very, very long vanilla relationship with someone who I was uh, probably not very well, we weren't very well suited for each other. And I felt in the context of that relationship, like looking back on it, that I had been sort of placed non-consensually in the role of the dom. Like I Mm. made all the decisions. I like had this sort of, um, like executive function over all of the housework. Like he didn't know what to do unless I was telling him to do it. And he didn't know where anything was in the cabinets. And I had to say, and like, there was this feeling of me, like making every decision and driving the ship. And I was just so incredibly burned out on that. But I don't think that I made the connection that like I wanted to consensually let go of that role until like much later like when I I started practicing a 24/7 dom sub dynamic with my with my partner now um and how we have sort of negotiated that that is not my role and I don't have to do that and and for me that's like a spa day like it's like it's so nice <laughs> to not be telling somebody what to do all the time so yeah and 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 in bed yeah it never really I mean like I think I definitely like at times have played with like themes of being a little bit more dominant but in terms of like taking on that role in a coherent way of like you know interrogating yourself and like what you're giving off in the moment and taking responsibility for the other person and providing them with an experience and providing aftercare like that is like a coherent identity that I've never like fully stepped into nor do I um I just don't (laughs) I don't want to do it (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. totally it sounds like a lot of work (laughs) they work very hard yeah they're the sub gets to just show up in a lot of cases and then the dom is like working (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my partner and I just took a shibari class, and I was like, the whole time I was like, oh, I just get to be here. Yeah. Do you <laughs> like, need me for anything? Or like, yeah. can I? Yeah, I can't get you anything because I can't move. But <laughs> yeah, I'll just smile and like enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, can you elaborate on for you specifically, or like for your experience of like what is what does it mean for a twenty four seven DS relationship? Yeah, so um, so DS dynamic is something that like most people are used to seeing in a scene, which is you know a, a prescribed like moment where you know could be sex, could be impact play, could be whatever, but where people are playing the roles of dom and sub. Um, and that's a power exchange and that can just be purely psychological or it can involve one person giving sensation to the other person, tying them up, spanking them, whatever. Um, and so typically what what we understand of that is that it starts in scene and it ends at the end of the scene. But um, for 24-7, you know, as the name suggests, you sort of stretch out that that agreement of power exchange to be in your your whole life. So you know, my, uh, my dom is, you know, telling me what to do in a scene, but also, you know, uh, we're, you know, if we're out running an errand, I can't, you, thank you, quarantine. I can't even remember what public life is like anymore. <laughs> but like, yeah, like we wake up in the morning and there's still that sort of um, agreed upon sort of perspective that we have on our relationship that we've negotiated that works for us. Um, and I think a lot of people would hear that and they would think, oh my God, like you can't do anything unless he tells you to do it. Or, oh, oh my God, he's like, you know, going to tell you to uh, whatever, run through the street naked or, you know, and it's sure. like, no, I still have safe words. And the things that he tells me to do more often than not, the longer you're in a dynamic, you're like, I know that I'm going to be told to do them because we've negotiated it. There's no, like, I don't know. It's not like, um, what's coming to mind is like it's not like in Harry Potter when someone has the like imperious curse <laughs> over you and you're just a puppet like no I'm I'm like I'm here and I want to be doing this but it just sort of like inflects the way that we interact with each other with this sort of respect and and consent um and I love the 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 three phases that you talk about in terms of like a a a setting up a play situation of the negotiation the play and then the aftercare and mm -hmm. so in terms of that structure how does that apply to 24 7 then how like when do you decide that there's like a new negotiation that's going to happen or 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 is it more fluid is it is there less of like a this is what we're doing right now and and then we're playing and then we're after Gary yeah there's it, it is it is yeah so it's sort it definitely is more fluid and then um I think what people would imagine would be that 24 7 means you are in a scene 24 7 which like you can't you, can, you can't do that like right uh, <laughs> right human body exactly. and brain are not ready uh to be constantly um in like role play so like yeah there's definitely negotiation that comes up on the fly and and there will be like definitely moments of aftercare like throughout the day where it's like you know um and, and you know if you sub out the word aftercare for co-regulation you know of mm. your like nervous system like it's sure. like I can sometimes have something stressful happen and then I'll come to him and I'll be like aftercare and we know what that means. And then it's like, you know, I get a nice check in and a, and a pat on the head and, you know, there's just, uh, it, I think the, the, the key difference between 24 seven DS and like, a, you know, quote unquote normal relationship is that like the openly acknowledged dom sub roles give you this great opportunity to openly acknowledge everything else and be like, hi, these are my needs. And instead of it being read as like a condemnation of the other person or like you're doing this wrong and that's why I'm telling you my needs, it's like there's just an expectation that your needs are going to be communicated whenever they're relevant and it's not personal to the other person. So 
I guess that's a negotiation. <laughs> so that'll, that'll come up. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, and I think that that's the biggest thing that drew me to, to kink and to BDSM was like this over overt communication mm -hmm. that forces you to get not only very clear about what your partner's expectation are, but also like what your own boundaries are and what yeah. you're interested in, right? Of like choosing language very carefully mm -hmm. and very being in touch with, with your body because that is like, the whole experience is like this somatic sort of experience as totally. well as well as psycho psychological but um yeah that's awesome and so then what what particularly then excited you about uh, having a 24 7 dynamic as opposed to because it sounds like almost even in the the quote-unquote vanilla relationship there was almost like a 24 7 <laughs> aspect to that too but you were on the opposite side of it totally and, well there's yeah. you know every relationship has power dynamics and it's like whether they're explicitly stated or not is the sure. question and I think like with um from like my my and my friends and like a lot of people who write into me like the the sort of modern millennial understanding of relationships is so is in such a state of backlash against like our parents generation of gender roles that that in a certain way there's this sort of mandate of perfect equality that I find a lot of people struggling with like they get into a relationship or you move in together and there's this sort of obsessiveness about like let's make sure that every single household task is divided perfectly evenly and everything we do is right down the middle and and what's what's crazy making about that is that it can never be perfectly down the middle especially you know and not to get too deep into this but if you have like yeah. a male partner and a female partner like you know when you're focusing on dividing efforts right down the middle like you know the people's pay isn't down the middle like nothing is down the middle so um I see that power dynamic putting a lot of pressure on people um mm. so as my partner and I were forming our relationship it was really nice to just explicitly negotiate a power dynamic where it's not it um equity you know perfect the same on both sides but like there's still a sense of equality and reciprocity because we're like different but you know similarly respecting each other and um but then like on you know like that's all the like the meta stuff but then having met my partner and having gone through like knowing each other primarily as dom and sub like there was no natural way to stop that and so like I was sure. like well you are still going to be in my head in this way and I'm going to be to you in this way so like how do we navigate a world where we have a more extended relationship you know in the daytime where we <laughs> are still yeah. these things to each other so that like I just didn't want to drop it because that was just it was just nice yeah I love your breakdown of relationships and I think like um I actually haven't thought about it in the way that you just described but it, you know it's so true when we think about these terms of like monogamy or um yeah like uh, even I would say like heterosexual marriage and and what like the the dynamics between male and females are supposed to be if you look at like classic 1950s or even like Disney movies right like we're being yeah. like rescued as a damsel in distress there are 100% like 
pretty explicit um, power mm-hmm. dynamics that are also like not explicit. Like yeah. we just like like couch them in these other terms that that just get kind of confusing. And then yes. when when you bump up against them, present problems because the 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 lines haven't been very well defined, and and yeah. both parties aren't having like a very clear agreement of like yeah. I totally respect that you take care of all the monetary and I am going to take care of all all mm-hmm. the household chores or whatever it is. Like that's mm-hmm. based on like a more, you know, um, uh, 1950s type of agreement. But um, yeah, I love that. And and also that makes it just seem like it makes so much more sense. The, the terminology you're using is just less familiar. So yeah. it sounds a little bit different, but it is really just very similar to what we do already I mean like it's I always sort of use this like metaphor of like or I don't it's not really a metaphor it's but like if somebody were looking in the window at me and my partner like we would look like quote-unquote normal like pretty much most of the time but you know but then it's like to be actually inhabiting like the relationship there's like a totally different thing going on so it's like you can be doing many of the same things that anyone has come to expect of partnership but when you're saying like explicitly like this works for me this doesn't work for me this makes me feel this way it's a lot of extra work on top of that because like you know I'll say for like my parents or the household that I grew up in like these things were never explicitly discussed and like if they were it was a problem and it was you know and and I you know sort of have to really work against that and saying like no talking about things is is okay (laughs) um so yeah we're sort of left in that position of like building our own thing and doing that work but it's it's good work to do (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel similarly. I was curious about your upbringing because I always find it um, fascinating people who are creating such a community and are being such a, a resource and a, a valuable asset for others of like, was this something that was just talked about, you know, in, in the household was set? Yeah. Or was it like this taboo thing that you really had to to expand and to like open your horizons and make a new choice? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that there's something really, this work just like never stops for me. Like, it's funny because you think like, oh, I'm just going to go talk about sex on the internet. But like, it's never just about sex because it's all about power. It's all about emotion, somatic stuff. And getting deeper and deeper into this work has made me like come to terms with like a lot of aspects of my upbringing. Um, And I was literally in therapy like two days ago and I was saying to my therapist, I'm like, so I really don't want to draw this connection, but I'm on the internet talking about being a sub and I also definitely have some daddy issues and I really <laughs> don't want to, but unfor- yeah, that's, that's the deal. So like, I definitely grew up with a father who had a lot of like anger stuff and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just classic toxic masculinity, not wanting to hear women's opinions, feeling like. So I definitely grew up with a sense of being subjugated in this way that I had not signed on for. So like my huge rebellion growing up was to like start getting really into feminism and to start like really challenging this stuff and, you know, to come out as queer. And it, <laughs> it's it been a rocky road with, you know, sure. and and it's not like even necessarily like my my family are, you know, these like you, you probably heard that and think like, oh, they're, you know, big time conservatives from like a, you know, southern state or something but no these are like california like progressive people who just don't really Mm -hmm. haven't done internal work so yeah yeah so like being left with um 
to go like really deep since I've opened the, I've opened the can of worms, but like, yes, thank you for sharing Uh, to be left like with this sense of your father's disapproval. Like you do have this sort of worthlessness narrative. And like, I took that into my relationships with men and women sexually where I'm like, I'm worthless. Like, why don't you bat me around and let's see what happens. And Mm -hmm. that is definitely the self-harmy side of what can happen in BDSM of like, I have like something that I'm not disclosing to my partner and I want to be punished for, for something that I haven't worked out inside myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, what's been really beautiful about doing it in a more structured and honest sort of, you know, thoughtful, safe way is that I found that like that thing inside me that I thought was like, I'm bad, I'm worthless, you know, turned into I'm empowered and I'm, you know, providing like love and care to, to somebody and like so many things about myself that drew me to submission have been healed through it. And mm. that's why I'd say the like sane and healing thing, because like when you practice it sanely and safely, you can sort of access this healing. Um, not that anyone, everyone who comes to BDSM is broken and needs to be healed, but like many people are broken and need to be healed and that there's like a lot to be done in that area here. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for, for sharing because I think we can all relate, I think in all aspects, but even in the, in the deep recesses of like sex and and shame and taboo around relating our family to that, like Mm -hmm. all of our, all of our demons and all of the things that we're working through like stem from our childhood and from our guardians and our parents and so like (laughs) yeah like I can I can sympathize with that so much and this idea of like really feeling worthless right and this story Mm -hmm. of not being enough and then finding evidence to support that without Mm -hmm. consciously being aware that that's what I'm doing in Mm -hmm. a lot of situations so in partner dynamics in sexual dynamics um yeah and in life dynamics and still working on dismantling those and understanding like okay what am I what do I keep inviting and what do I keep adopting is like oh yeah you're you're just continuing to tell me that this narrative is correct yeah Um, it's confirmation bias yes exactly exactly um yeah so I I love you sharing that and I appreciate it and and I'd love to to further explore this this um concept of self-harm versus BDSM Mm -hmm. and versus abuse and and what that what that really looks like and what the distinction is because I think one of the 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 things I just took away from what you said was when you haven't worked through your own narratives through your own ideas of your self-worth etc that's something you aren't disclosing to your partner Mm -hmm. and so that isn't something that's sane and present in the interaction as a Mm -hmm. part of the negotiation so we all know what's going on Mm -hmm. and your partner has no control like they can't pull it out of you yeah. right? like they have no idea um so yeah I'd love for you to elaborate on like how to like how BDSM is different than self-harm is different than um the, these abusive cycles that we can get into totally um I think there's so much push pull in all of this and so much nuance because like you know um yeah that there there is an imperative as a safe submissive or a safe bottom to do your best to communicate whatever's going on for you and and do your best means you know even saying I don't know I feel weird today and I don't know why and I just I'm equipping you with that and I will call my safe word if I get to that point um 
But then there's also, you know, an imperative for the dom to, or the top to create a space where the sub feels comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's really, it's, it's an interesting soft skill because like, you know, you can create a space, um, but if, then there's also like, if you go too far with that, you're infantilizing the sub and you're trying to force them to say something that isn't necessarily on their mind or trying to make them make connections to trauma that aren't there. So like both people have to just sort of understand that they're autonomous adults and they're both bringing something to the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as self-harm and BDSM, I think people um, discover BDSM, especially people who actually have a history of self-harm, like real self-harm. Um, and they are like, how do I know that I'm doing this safely? How do I know that this isn't the same thing? Um, and that's such a tricky question. It's so individual and it definitely is something that like a kink aware therapist should like be guiding people through. But, um, my like go-to example of self-harm BDSM is, um, normal people that Irish, uh, TV show with the, oh, okay. Yes. So there's, there's, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not going to spoil anything, but like later (laughs) in the season, um, Marianne the main character she has this relationship with this guy and she's like yeah it's really edgy it's really weird he chokes me he like smacks me around and and you see her with him and he's very dismissive of her and he's not providing her with aftercare he's not solicitous of her needs he doesn't care what she's getting out of it he just wants to like exert dominance on her and in not in a BDSM way but in like a misogyny patriarchy you know just bad overall you know way so Mm -hmm. totally harmful and and so she has conflated I think the character we're seeing her conflate like sex positivity and like just something bad is happening um (laughs) yeah so like I think it's like if you go away from a BDSM seeming encounter and you feel worthlessness or you feel emptiness or you feel like you weren't heard or you feel like you were objectified in a way that you didn't want to be you know because sometimes people like being objectified but um sure you know if you're not being treated as an equal with respect uh, you know and 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 all the sensations of pain are happening or the sensations of just psychological power exchange are happening then yeah then you need to take a look at that um and take a look at whether you've chosen that partner as like a confirmation bias thing right like i'm choosing this person to treat me badly because i think i deserve to be treated badly as opposed Mm -hmm. to like i'm gonna choose somebody who's gonna treat me with respect because i deserve that and i'm valuable um so yeah it's definitely like there's no like and here are the abcs of knowing self-harm but like i wish there was but yeah i think that's sort of the general ballpark of it from like people i've talked to and stories i've heard yeah 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 yeah. um yeah i i really like that distinction thank you can you go through the structure of because we kind of touched on the negotiation play and the aftercare but what that does look like in in a sane communicative environment where um both parties are participating in a respectful um in a respectful way that lifts both people up yeah um so negotiation um i think like, you know, I'll just take it through an example of like, say that you've met someone off an app and you want to go like have an in-person scene with them and pretend it's not COVID because I can't cover all the COVID um, changes. But like, sure, you, know, sure, so you, sure. meet, you meet somebody on an app, you're talking, they're generally sort of polite and, and they're talking to you like a person because a lot of times when you're on these apps and you flag as a sub, you immediately get people coming in being like, you know, hey, kneel down and beg for my affection. It's like, ew, like not in the first message. <laughs> 
Um, so sure. if somebody hasn't been gross and they've been like relatively <laughs> treating you like a person um, and you find yourself out on a date with them or, you know, doing a FaceTime as people are doing now, um, you, you know, having a clear conversation about your sexual sexuality, your interests, your limits, and, um, you know, that negotiation process that makes it different from anything else is that people have set aside their egos and mm. they've also set aside like trying to be sexy or cool. Like it's not sexting. That is like a totally different department, but it's like sure. saying, you know, if I, and it's like being able to talk about stuff that's like kind of titillating, but be like, you know, it's like, so like, you know, in the first time we play together, do you um, expect an orgasm and how can I facilitate that for you? And how do you mm -hmm. normally come and what makes you comfortable? And are you expecting that? Or do you do not want to have that be part of it or, you know, pain play? Are you comfortable with this kind of device or that kind of thing? And so the Dom can lead it. But the sub can also come in and say, hey, I've had bad experiences with um, breath player being choked or I've had bad experiences with my having my hair pulled or not even I've had bad experiences, but just I don't want to. And there doesn't need to be a reason. So it's just sure. having this sort of like open, exhaustive discussion where you go through like all of the things and then both people are sort of equipped with what might come up in a scene and like what they can expect to have happen next. And I'm of the opinion that if new people are playing together, they should say, here is a bulleted list of everything that's about to happen. Like first we will kiss, then we will, you know, then there'll be, you know, touching oral sex, then impact, then, the, you know, whatever the list is, everybody gets on the same page so that as it's happening, it's not like surprise because <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know that surprise is like the most necessary element when you're playing with stuff like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that was actually going to be my question. I am like such a planner and a mm -hmm. control freak. And I was like, do you go through and be like, yeah, this is what our scene is going to look like. Like here's the, here's the first act and here's the second act and here's yeah. the third act. Yeah. You should. And it's great because like, I think a lot of people are really scared. It's like, oh, well, won't that kill the mood? Won't that kill the element of surprise? And it's like, first of all, like this narrative that we've received that there has to be an element of surprise to sex. It's like, when do I least want to be surprised when I'm naked and bent yeah, over? Like, I totally. don't want to be surprised. <laughs> no surprises. Just slowly announce <laughs> this is not a birthday clown. It doesn't need to. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah. So planning everything is actually really great. And it's also really sexy. It's like, hey, I'm mm -hmm. going to do all this stuff to you. And do you consent to it? And let's reevaluate consent actively as we go. It's like, uh, yes, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that part is also really exciting of being like, oh, like, um, have you ever done your uh, sexual blueprint, energetic or erotic blueprint? Do you know what an erotic oh, blueprint is? Oh, you know is? what? I've heard that. I think I did it, but I don't remember anything about it. Tell me, tell me, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a there's many different facets of it. I'm like major, well, just like slightly majority um, energetic, which is a lot of like the energy around building it so like the the foreplay of even before touch of like talking mm. about it or getting excited about something or um you know setting the stage for something or yeah. even like extending that the the moment of touch and mm -hmm. so like hovering around in that space and then other ones are you know there's like kink and there's um I am not an expert on this at all so I will uh defer to to go into the erotic blueprints but there's different ways of like basically like 
like how you communicate and how you how you like to receive pleasure is nice. like the different qualifications but one of the but yeah so one of the reasons I brought it up is because because of how my brain works like that part is actually like super titillating to me mm-hmm. because then I get to like get excited for each part and I get yeah. to already have it in my brain like oh this is gonna happen yeah and to know what's coming and like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's like a really complex scene where you're you've got your you know you're cuffed up with a leg spreader and you're about to have 10 different you know pain implements used on you or if you're just having missionary sex like the planning aspect doesn't have to do with complexity it might just actually be really nice like psychological foreplay and like trust building in a way where you like have the somatically in your body have the experience of someone saying I will do this and then if you say no I will stop and like knowing that that actually it you know knowing that they're a person of their word and they do what they say they're going to do and then it ends in the way that you expect it to end like that can be like really really wonderful as opposed to like this feeling of sort of surprise chaos I don't know that that's like the the strongest trust building exercise but it can be fun but yeah (laughs) totally yeah I love that distinction um Amazing. Okay, so once you've gone through this negotiation planning mm-hmm. phase, then play. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what is, what is the play? The play you know, totally depends on the people, but um, sometimes in a BDSM context, like protocol will be enforced, which is like, you know, the sub will be kneeling on the floor and they won't do anything unless the dom tells them exactly what to do next. And that feeling can be really, really freeing for some subs and even to the extent of us having a name for it called subspace, which is like when you are in that role and you're being told what to do and you've sort of let go of control, it can kind of, it can bring your mind to a state that's like, I think scientifically a lot like a runner's high where your endorphins and your adrenaline are like going and you just kind of get really blissed out and high feeling. Um, So that can totally happen in in a scene. And um, that's part of why it's structured the way that it is to contain those like big sort of explosive feelings and then ease them down into aftercare when the time comes. Um, And then another like the flip side of of scenes that's really important to talk about is um, safe words. So like once you're in that scene. You have safe words at your disposal and and i'm a really big fan of the the traffic light system or the color system um which is yellow and red um and green um, but red meaning like stop uh stop everything transition directly into aftercare everything's done like i just need a cuddle mm-hmm. um, and then yellow might be like slow down or switch sensation or um, just check in on me or give me a breather um, whatever it is you call yellow and then the dom comes to you and says like, okay what do you need um, and then like green, you know, they could check in on you and say, is everything okay? And you could say like green, but um, I don't use green. I just sort of use like, yes, everything's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like the reason that um, that safe words like that are, are so important is because they remove like the ego reaction of like the word no. Also, because some people like to play with the word no is like, it's not real, like, oh, no, no, no. But they, they want to say no in like a fun eroticized way. Um, but then also on the other side, like, I think we've heard the word no so many times that it is really charged with meaning. Sure. And like, it, it sort of buffers against that when to hear red, because red only means, you know, I just need to stop this for whatever reason. And let's go into aftercare. It's not shaming of the top. It's not like you did something wrong um mm-hmm. so that yeah that's 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 what safe words actually are as opposed to like on tv it's like cacao or octopus or you know something <laughs> silly you know and, and everyone laughs but you know more more so it's like about removing the ego of the word no 
Got it. Yeah, I love that. And so then what does aftercare really look like? Like what is, um, I think you mentioned co-regulation earlier. Is that a piece Mm -hmm. of aftercare? Definitely. Yeah. So it's aftercare as a starting place. I like, I think I suggest like, and, and this definitely needs to still happen between casual couples. It needs to happen no matter what. Um, and there's ways of sort of making it more and more casual or less casual, but, um, yeah, definitely. It's just sort of a moment to cuddle, lie side by side, not in a way that's like advancing sexually, but just sort of like holding someone. And then um, what I say is like a really fun thing to do is like watch nostalgic music videos together. So like you're just sort of like feeling the other person's like presence on your body and then you're like watching something fun and you're, you know, feeling like you're coming back down to real life um, in a safe way. People like to, you know, drink water, have a snack. Um, But then, you know, that's not everyone's cup of tea. And like on a certain day, you might feel like I need to get up and go for a walk. I need to go to the store. I need to um, probably pre-COVID, but, you know, I need to uh, have a dance party and shake out all my, you know, body and feelings and or stretch or whatever. So I think it's really individual to like what you find to be soothing and like what takes you back to like normal and gets you embodied. Um, but yeah, cuddle and music videos is a good is a good starting place, and then you can tweak from there. I love that, and a snack. I mean, mm-hmm. food's always good. Um, yeah, and so and so then, how was what was the choice to start this community and to go more public with with what you know what you were interested in and and creating a space for other people to come who who felt similarly? Yeah, I think that when I. It's, it's a couple of things is when I first started out as a sub and I was, you know, my main source of information was like Googling various phrases, like, what does it mean? BDSM, call your partner daddy. What does it mean? BDSM, like, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And like doing this sort of like randomized Googling. Um, and then, you know, inst- an Instagram community fell in for me a lot later. But um, I think that the majority of content that you see out there in regards to BDSM is either from a dom's perspective, um, which, you know, because mostly doms are out there being like, this is what I do. This is how I do it, because it is very skill based to be a top. And we all understand it's like, well, they need to know how to tie somebody. They need to know how to hit somebody, et cetera. Um, so they're, I think they're more inclined to be teachers. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, like but then when you do get into for me, like getting into the the submissive internet, there can be so much like role play going on, even in the way that these things are written, that it's like Mm. hard to gauge how it would be real, you know? So like what, like what I jokingly say is like, I was looking for a way to like get my ass beaten at night and go to my nine to five job in the morning. Like I don't want, I don't need it to be this like (laughs) intense fantasy and like you know ooh, we're I'm always a submissive and even in my day-to-day life and it's like no like (laughs) just talk to me like I'm a person right right right. save the fantasy for my negotiated partner so that was definitely what I set out to do was just to be like really honest about it and be like this is how it feels this is like the self-care aspect this is the these are the lotions that I put on my butt after I've gotten bruised you know and just be like really straight up with people and then also be like yes I'm a submissive I'm only a submissive I'm claiming that identity so ask a sub ask me anything what you know let's talk about it and um yeah yeah, I've found that people really I think needed that like needed to feel like it doesn't need to be this like constant fantasy 
they can be whoever they are, bringing whatever aesthetics they have to the table. They don't have to be like, and many of them are, and it's great, like, but you don't have to be like a hardcore goth to be in the BDSM. Like, you know, I don't use my image, but if people could see me, I'm like pretty regular. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just good to be out there, like saying, like, if, if you can't visually place yourself in this, but you still have the desires, like, it's okay. Come on in. There's a lot of us here. Yeah, I love that. And what's been one of your biggest takeaways from expanding this community and finding this this really necessary um, platform for mm-hmm. people? Because um, you're right, I do see a lot of stuff on DOMS, and and there are they are more active and 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 more open because yeah, it, it makes sense. It is it is more skill based. Um, but but yeah, what is, what has been some of your biggest takeaways from this experience thus far? I mean, it's still growing. I know, yeah, it's it's it's. I never stop learning from the people yeah. that I meet um, through this account. But um, something we were talking about off mic that I, if I could bring up um, that's yeah. really exciting to me is I've been doing these stories where I um, solicit an opinion on like a really specific issue, and then I say like, if you agree with this, tell me why, and if you disagree with it, tell me why, and. The spectrum of people's opinions on different topics are mm-hmm. it's so fascinating. So like I um I made a meme um about <laughs> something that like submissive friends and I talk about and it's like I didn't really clock it as super controversial until I <laughs> until I posted it. But like <laughs> submissive friends and I will talk about like sometimes you'll be playing with um a dom or, or they'll have had experiences with like a newer top or or somebody who like doesn't isn't fully in the bdsm community and the submissive is like hey yeah it's okay to like spank me or whatever i'll call my safe word if you if i don't if i don't want to be spanked and then for that person after that to be like are you okay are you sure you're okay are you mm-hmm. okay is this okay and like to never stop asking if you're okay like i made a meme about that phenomenon and I had thousands of likes, presumably from subs who like knew what I was talking about. But then there were like in the comments, it was like doms going off being like, how dare you say that I can't check in on my sub? How dare you suggest that check-ins are bad? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? So so what I did was yeah. I went to my Instagram story and I was like, I was like, hey, let's like talk about this, um, you know, subs if you think that the, what to you constitutes a good check-in and then also like is there such a thing as a bad check-in what is a bad check-in yeah and we learned so much together that day because like a good check-in we've all discussed the contents of a good check-in it's like you know they're truly interested in your feedback they um ask it in a yes or no fashion if you're in the middle of the scene so you can just quickly say yes or no um, they trust your response, but then, but then, yeah, people were talking about bad check-ins, like check-ins that are like leading or comparing you to another partner, or mm-hmm. like all this like random bullcrap that people shouldn't be doing, or like yeah, being kind of infantilizing and not trusting you to like know yourself well and know your responses. And so, like these moments, um, initially, like if I posted something and people disagreed with it, I would be like so anxious, like, oh my God, I need to delete this immediately. But what I'm learning is that like, it can be a lot better to just be like, okay, let's talk about it. Yeah, it's a conversation starter. Yeah. And I looked at that today and I'm like, I mean, so unbelievably interesting because Mm -hmm. you're right. It's so varied. And I think that that just bolsters the point of like, you know, this is a framework and really these are tools to get very specific in your own body body and your own dynamic with a partner which could change mm-hmm. depending on who the partner is yeah, right like day of the week like it's there's so much that comes in and it's it's like yeah. constantly changing on both sides so it's like 
remaining open and then also like taking as much responsibility for yourself as you can to be like, I'm going to express what to me a good check-in is. But it's something that like, it's no one's fault for not thinking of it if they didn't think of it. But like then once we have the conversations, it's like, oh yeah, I could tell a partner like for me, you know, asking, are you okay over and over is not a good check-in, but this, like, this is a good check-in and like, just the more you can communicate the better. So just gives you more to do in that negotiation stage. Yeah, I love that. And I like the second part that you asked as well of like starting the conversation of if somebody is in a a marginalized group of like, Mm. you know, black, indigenous people of color, LGBTQIA, um, differently abled, like what are the conversations around that that you're interested in? And those were so varied too. You know, some people are like, please bring it up. Other people are like, absolutely not. Let me bring it up. I don't want to be identified solely as that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and I think, you know, I think it's it's interesting, like the more that I talk to people and the more that I interview and I learn like everything about sex and everything about this is just a microcosm for the whole world, <laughs> for the whole totally. country and like all dynamics that are certainly at play, you mm-hmm. know, outside of the bedroom. And so um, I I just think we can all be such such more insightful people and grounded yeah. if, if if we start somewhere and if that's it's in the bedroom amazing yeah, yeah totally yeah. and that that cute that questionnaire was really interesting because I got all kinds of responses that I because like you know as a as a woman and a bisexual like I have this you know and I'm white and I but so I have a very specific lens where like my white privilege sure. buffers me from a lot of things but then I do have these like marginalized identities where I come into a sexual interaction like And for me, like on the first date, I'm like deep in it on misogyny and biphobia. And I'm like testing the person because I don't want to waste my time. And I want that out there immediately. But um, then there, you know, then but then I got these responses from people who were like, yeah, I do want to be solicited about how, you know, like I want the other person to take the be proactive. Like um, I got a lot of responses from people with endometriosis who experience a lot mm-hmm. of pain with sex with sex or with penetration specifically or just pain in general and they felt that if their partner was soliciting like their feedback and and specifically asking them then that would be good and and then on the flip side I got feedback from um people of color who were saying that like if their partner was white and aggressively trying to ask them questions about how their race might be connected to their kink, they would feel really uncomfortable. Sure. Um, and then like, in, and but then, you know, also I got um, a response from an Asian woman who had all, had all these experience with being exoticized for her race and did want to talk about it and did want to know that the partner, you know, so it's like you have yeah. this huge gamut. And then, and then another really great um, community that I've learned so much from are um, people, neurodivergent people yeah. who don't feel that, partners can probably adequately understand what their experience is so like overwhelmingly they were like I will bring it up and I will tell them how it affects me so yeah there's no one rule and and that's that's the thing and it's so you know when you give relationship advice on the internet you want to tell people okay here's the rule of thumb ask them about their marginalized identity but it's actually not (laughs) that simple and you have to just sort of use your you have to feel it out in the moment (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I I love um, the conversation that you've started. And I I think it's just so important. And I think really, that's what makes it exciting and titillating to be with different people and to have Mm -hmm. different interactions, right? Is like somebody else gives something so different. And like, that's what makes it fun. That's what's Mm -hmm. cool. And that's like the conversations that is where you get like more information and just it enhances the play. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I love that. And so just the last piece, where where are you hoping to go with this? Like, it, you know, if, if your dream of like, where does Ask a Sub go and how, how big do we get? Oh, my dream. Um, well, you know, I think that like elevating other people's voices is like really important to me, like doing, you know, the reach back, you know, and grab somebody yeah. and pull them up. And so, you know, I, I try really hard to like constantly be highlighting independent leather workers and like smaller accounts that, you know, than mine that have things to say. And um, like my my like innermost dream is to have some kind of like platform and, and be like talking about these things in greater nuance, like, you know, where like a publication or something where we yeah. can have like, you know, sub stuff and just have it be explicitly for that reason. And then people talking about it. Um, and and definitely my other my other little little goal is that um, is to write a book about all of this stuff and amazing yeah so that's something I'm pushing myself towards in 2021 of being like yeah this I mean I I could like write a book like just off the top of my head at this point because of how much content I'm just like I've placed myself at an intersection and I am just getting like a fire hose of information from the community but I'm also like constantly reading books and constantly going through and it's sort of like this work has like attached itself to me. So it's like, okay, I'm the sub guy and I'm going to go out and (laughs) tell people about being a sub. So yeah, yeah, I just want to remain open to whatever calls from that. Amazing. Well, I'm so thrilled with the content you're putting out. I'm so thrilled that I got to speak with you um, today. This has been so unbelievably fun. Um, And so people can find you on Ask a Sub on Instagram. Is there another website or is it better to funnel through, through that platform? Instagram is great. I'm also on Twitter at Ask a Sub. And then um, I, I run a weekly advice column and a um, Discord chat room community through my Patreon. Um, cool. We're currently on the Discord. We have like over 400 people who are talking to each other every day wow. about various kink stuff. Like we had people talking about like which Dakota has a stronger rural kink community the other day. Like this is how specific we've gotten. Um, but that's on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Ask a Sub. So yeah, I'm, I'm on all the things. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, Lena. It's been so lovely. Um, yay! yay thank you. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I loved your face in that. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> now that we have like the video component, too, I know. I'm like, there's so many options of things to do. <laughs> um, I almost ordered a green screen. I might still. We'll see. Yeah. You know, why not? I'm moving, and so, like, my whole space is going to change, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be, like, so souped up. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to get, like, kind of a full set decor as opposed to, like, yeah. the old childhood photos in the background. <laughs> but, you know, those are fun, too. Someday you'll have to, like, showcase them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the for the Patreon, yeah, for the Patreon, um, <laughs> Lena, you were you are amazing. I'm so grateful that you came on the show. I learned so much, and I just had such a wonderful time talking to you. Um, everybody, go check out Ask a Sub on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to her Patreon. Get on that Discord. Um, she's working towards starting her own podcast too, so uh, that would be very very exciting. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as always, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. We are at Finding My Yum Podcast. And I guess instead of subscribe, I mean follow and uh, join our community. <laughs> 
of That's people. Okay too. We post a bunch of behind the scenes. Um, and and yeah, we just love hearing from you guys, sliding into those DMs. We're also on YouTube, so if you'd rather visually watch our episodes, um, we have all of them uploaded up there. And that is Finding My Yum podcast on YouTube as well. Yeah, and if you want to email us, you can do that at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Um, and as always, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe uh, wherever you consume podcasts um, and share with some friends. Uh, I think that, you know, if you know anyone that's interested in the kink space, this would be a great episode to send over to them or someone who's already in it. And they, they I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that they would uh, enjoy hearing as well because um, I know that, you know, it was it was great to have her on and I think that uh, that they'll also enjoy it. Yeah, I think everybody will enjoy this. Even if you're like, I don't know if that's for me. It might be fun to just check it out. (laughs) That's kind Um, of the theme of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We love you. We're so excited to keep sharing uh, awesome episodes with you. And we'll see you next week.